KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Brian Seltzer. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is open to the general public for the first time in nearly a hundred years at Arlington National Cemetery. But a little known fact about the sacred monument is that it's got a connection to a ship that's currently docked right here in Philadelphia. Yes. Perhaps not well-known, but true. To tell us more about this story, we're going to talk with Craig Bruns. He is the chief curator at the Independence Seaport Museum down there at Spruce Street Harbor and Penn's Landing. Craig, the USS Olympia is a national historic landmark. It's sitting right here on the Delaware. What connection does it have to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Ah, the USS Olympia carried the body of the Unknown Soldier across the Atlantic from Le Havre, France to Washington, D.C. Put us in that moment in history. Can you give us the year? We obviously know it was 1921. Give us the background, the context of what was going on at that point in time. Well, it was a couple of years after the war. People were still feeling, you know, a lot of people died. A lot of people died from the flu and also from, uh, you know, at war. People were very, they were still morning. The Unknown Soldier, you know, the idea of it was created to help the people, the families that didn't have a body return, you know, their loved one didn't return in the form of the body, they were lost. And so the idea of the unknown was to provide an unidentified body for those people to mourn over. They can project their their imagination, their love onto this this unidentified corpse. For as much info on this as you can provide, who was involved in the origination of that idea? Where did it come from? Uh, It was Congressman Fish, uh, commanded a regiment of African-American soldiers during the war. And so it's a couple years later, and he was a congressman. And he put forth this concept. And of course, his concept comes deep within the heart, his heart, because he, he was right there. He saw these men bravely put their lives at risk and some disappear, you know, unfortunately. And so he brought this idea forth and Congress was like, this is wonderful, you know, and so, you know, it came to be. In the research that you've done on the ties between the USS Olympia and the unknown, what did you learn about the journey (laughs) that the ship had to go on to bring the unknown back to America? Well, when I started, um, the history books didn't mention the journey at all. The history books say, you know, Olympia picked up the body. And then in the next paragraph, the Olympia dropped off the body. So, you know, we have the ship. And so we're like, what about what about the voyage? You know what happened? And um, slow, slowly but surely, we started to research that, and this story started to make itself uh, apparent that this was quite a treacherous journey. And um, if the unknown was at risk, and the unknown, if he was lost at sea, it would have been a, a national tragedy because everyone was expecting this opportunity to mourn their loss in a much larger way. And, you know, having that ripped away again, 
that kind of thing would have been horrible. How did you go about doing your research on what the voyage was like? As you said, what the history books say, there's a little bit of a jump from Europe to the Washington Navy Yard, which is where the ship first came, correct? So how did you find out the missing links there and the threads? How did you piece it all together? It was a little floating piece of information that I could find that mentioned that the Marine, the, the Marine Honor Guard tied themselves down so they wouldn't be washed overboard. So, wow. okay, where did that come from? So following that, I was able to find an oral history of Commander Erskine. And in that interview, he fills that story out much more. And it's from that story combined with the, uh, the data that is in the, the ship's logbooks, putting that together with also with uh, NOAA's weather, historical weather pattern, you know, data, putting all that data together and really seeing that, yes, something did happen here. And then plotting it out on a chart and trying to figure out what exactly happened. And that's where we came up with roughly 10 days of their voyage. They were on high seas. That's where we come to that conclusion. Are we talking about just a couple passing storms here or from what you discovered, what, what was the extent and severity of the storms? So it was a tropical storm, two tropical storms uh, that were previously hurricanes, the Tampa Bay hurricane, uh, which was horrible, horrible disaster. So that hurricane after flattening Tampa, crossing Florida, headed up in the Northwest. And, you know, it lessened into a tropical storm. And there comes Olympia crossing its path. And the other storm, I, I, I don't know as much about, but, you know, it was similar kind of hurricane. So both of those remnants of those hurricanes were circling. And here comes Olympia cruising through. Do you know much about the extent to which Olympia was designed to withstand weather like that? For as much as you can put it in context for us, what were ships like going back 100 years or more designed to endure in terms of severe weather out on the seas? Well, uh, ships like Olympia and, and its era, you know, are, are highly technical machines. They're meant to be on on the sea. They're meant to sail into you know, really difficult waters. And Olympia did and survived. So that that is a testament to their those concerns that you have. Olympia at one point, you know, was casting back and forth up to 39 degrees. So if you look at a, you know, you figure that out and you think 39 degrees this way, 39 degrees that way, in just less than a minute. So where is that going to put all of the, the crew, the 400 something, 450 something crew, what's happening with them inside? And they're having to do all their work to keep the ship moving. You had to have the engines continually running so the ship would not be swamped by the weather. It had to be moving. It's uh, more stable that way. And so you had to bring all the coal to the coal room to shovel. Uh, and imagine moving around like that and, and you're shoveling coal into these big furnaces. 
that are all red hot, right? You know, and the ship's moving all over the place. So there's that. And then, uh, you know, just all the functions of the ship had to happen in these conditions. So the sh ship survived, but the cargo was up on the cargo being the body of the unknown soldier was on deck and at risk. And why for a novice who knows nothing about ships and transport at that point in time by sea, why was the unknown on the top deck? Well, I think that's a very good question. So the story goes that they received the body in La Havre. They realized that the, the casket is too large to go through the door of the ship. So Olympia doesn't have a big cargo hatch that opens up, right? It's not that kind of ship. So you had to go through regular personnel doors and he wouldn't fit. And you couldn't put him on end or on side to, you know, uh, 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 put, you know, push him through the hole into the ship because, you know, this is a hallowed body. You, you know, you're not going to disrespect the body. So it has to stay, you know, prone as in the grave or in the tomb. So the car ship's carpenter makes a waterproof container. And so then that's strapped to the most, the safest part, the safest part of the ship on the deck, uh, meaning that uh, there are all sorts of ship furniture around, you know, that could protect from waves, you know, but of course it's still outside. So then the Marines, 39 Marines that were brought aboard Olympia specifically to keep the body of the unknown safe. And so they were ordered to watch the body 24 hours a day. So that means day and night, whatever the weather is, they had to be up there. And of course, uh, you know, like all military, they're dedicated to what they're doing and they tied themselves to the rail when they had to, to make sure that they weren't washed overboard. That's it's, incredible. It, it is incredible, you know, and this is for, you know, you can say, well, it's just a dead body, but it's not. It has the body on his way over transformed into uh, a mythical or mystical state. You know, it's almost like as Homer is a symbolic person, you know, making his journey, the unknown is making his journey home. And it's a difficult journey. And I think that that really adds to our perception of the unknown soldier. Like, you know, we know that the story, the unknown soldier lost his life, lost his identity, and it, it probably was a horrible death. But uh, his coming home kind of reflects the difficulties. It's, it's a difficult journey home. And that difficult journey is experienced by all soldiers, military personnel coming home from the battlefield. They have to make that transition from the battlefield to home. And as we know, even today, that's a very difficult journey. So perhaps knowing about this difficult journey will become, extend the uh, symbolic meaning of the unknown soldier. 
Such is the work of a curator, a historian. This is fascinating. It had to be really thrilling for you to go through this project. Yeah, it's very thrilling. And let's see, what was it, the ninth? We were down in Washington, D.C. We were there for the dedication of a plaque commemorating the very time and place when the unknown arrived to the Navy Yard. There were all sorts of very important uh, Navy commanders, officials, and, and state individuals talking about this story. And, and they, they told the story that we researched. So it was very nice, nice to see. And we also, if, uh, aboard Olympia, there is now a memorial plaque, a, a historical marker, if you would, that not only accounts for, you know, the unknown was transported here, that was the traditional plaque you know, denoted that, but we added the short story of the difficult journey. So not only is the unknown remembered, but also the contributions of Olympia's crew and Marines to the safe delivery and, you know, home of the unknown soldier. Well, this story might not have been widely known to the general public before you guys dug into it. Did you get any sense talking to people or even since the research you've done, if this was something that was told, a tale that was told within military circles, within the Navy? Were there, were there stories about this, the stuff of legends, that sort of thing? Well, I know that in 1963, I think it was, there was a man named Nicholson, who a Marine, who wrote an article, you know, I didn't find that until later, but it was yet another confirmation that this happened. But that was in a Marine magazine, and, and I'm sure it had a large circulation, but it wasn't like a national release of that story in whatever form. It was just in that little magazine. And so this is finally the, if you would, the first telling of that story. So Philadelphia should be very proud that it can be, I know the museum is very proud, to be able to present this story to the public. It's amazing. It's got to be pretty humbling. You follow a little clue about guys being tied to the top of the ship and look what's on earth from there. Yeah. What are those kind of uh, NCIS sort of uh Stories, you know, like a little clue leads to whatever, and it's finally the little pin that they find in the haystack that uh, that's the answer. You know, it really is that kind of work, but it's it's exciting, but it's very slow. So the excitement's a very slow excitement. <laughs> Tremendous. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the Olympia itself? How was it that that ship was selected to carry out this very important mission? So Olympia, one of the fames Olympia can claim is being the flagship of Admiral Dewey at the Battle of Manila Bay, firing the first shot in what became known as the Spanish-American War. There were two to uh, theaters of the Spanish-American War, one in the Pacific around the Philippines and other, the other one around uh, Cuba. So fired the first shot, so, and, and that, that war ended shortly, very few casualties. So, you know, America was very 
not all Americans, but most Americans were really proud of this great victory. And so Admiral Dewey became very famous, the Olympia too. Both those names were on the, on the breath of every American in 1899 when the ship returned. That is a great naval victory, right? And so here we fast forward to uh, 1921, and you know it's kind of like grandma. You know, you know, grandma or grandpa did this great thing. So who else in the family should take this honorable position? And so there was Olympia, and Olympia was old, had been. Um, updated for use in World War I, but it was still old. And so, um, but it was selected. And so that was, that was the idea of the honor. This year, Craig marks the 100th anniversary of the Olympia's voyage with the unknown. How did you guys at the Seaport Museum celebrate the occasion? We ce- chose to celebrate uh, October 25th, the day that um, the unknown soldier was put on the Olympia, aboarded Olympia at Le Havre, France. And so we had a really big uh, celebration centered on this historical marker that I told you about. We had the Washington Navy Band there, which is very rarely lives leaves Washington. We had the Marine Corps silent drill team, which is just amazing. And, um, you know, very many speakers, including our mayor, was there. And it was a very solemn moment to remember. Craig, anything else, any other part of the story that you feel is worth telling? Well, I think that after the story, so Olympia is an old, wonderful old ship that served so, so valiantly, but it was then decommissioned right after this, right? So I think it has small mission, but it wasn't anything like uh, what happened with the unknown. And then it was mothballed here in Philadelphia. So that was in 1921 and it's 2021. So Olympia will have been in Philadelphia for a hundred years. So that's really amazing. You know, the Olympia certainly is part of Philadelphia's culture. And we should continue to recognize that and um, move forward. Craig, before wrapping this up, can we get into some of the history of how it was that Olympia came to be docked and stationed here in Philadelphia? Well, I guess a lot of people may not know that uh, Philadelphia, there's a Philadelphia Navy Yard uh, in the southernmost part of Philadelphia. And it had quite a prominence. And it was just uh, the natural closest place, whatever, operationally, it seemed to make sense to bring her here. We had uh, what's called the Back Bay, which is where a lot of ships that are were decommissioned were put there, kind of a parking lot, if you would, for ships to stay until they could be reused or, or scrapped. And Olympia just constantly, or one time after another, missed the scrapping yard, you know, it was like, it was going to happen. And then they saved her and it was going to happen and it saved her. So Olympia has been on a very long history of continued attempts to uh, preserve her for the future. 
Well, we certainly are the better off for having such history preserved, especially right here in Philadelphia. And absolutely, Craig, better for the research that you did in uncovering an amazing piece of history. Craig Bruns, Chief Curator for the Independent Seaport Museum there at Penn's Landing. Thanks so much for your time. Sure thing. Thanks. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Brian Seltzer, and we'll have another episode out soon.